Hello, and welcome to Poppy Approved Movies. My name is Poppy. And I'm Natalie. In our podcast, we will review and critique my favorite PG-13 movies. Movies that I wasn't allowed to watch until I turned 13. Every week, Natalie and I will watch a new PG-13 movie. And I'll see if Poppy's movies live up to the hype. Which, of course, they will. Today, we're going to be watching Inception. Before we begin, there will be spoilers. If you haven't seen the movie and don't want it to be spoiled, press pause and come back when you're finished. Now, Poppy, tell me the deets on this movie. Inception came out in 2010 with a runtime of 2 hours and 28 minutes. It's actually the longest movie we've seen so far. It was written and directed by Christopher Nolan. The main stars are Leonardo DiCaprio, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, and Elliot Page. Fun facts. Well, this movie is riddled with Easter eggs, and if you like Inception as much as I do, please check them out online. Nolan's attention to detail is remarkable. So what do you think, Nat? I thought it was kind of... It was strange, because at the first, it really it took a while for me. I was like really kind of bored at the beginning. I, I literally fell asleep at the first part. Well, you did come and play a soccer game at 8 in the morning that day and then had a long day with other things as well. So I understood why you kind of did fall asleep. You were very tired. But yes, it did take us a couple of watchings to finish the movie. Yeah. But after time, when the story got really like more intense, I really started to like start enjoying it and also understand it more once the things got like the characters explained things more i kind of got into it more so what's your rating i give it a 4.5 stars whoa i'm so happy you loved it i've been so what did you think it was gonna be i really thought you were gonna be like two and a half like you were bored of it like it was a little too complex for you you weren't kind of into it that much I started getting really into it as things got explained because the only reason I was bored was because I was super confused. So in this movie, and usually what happens when we watch a movie, we'll sit down, we'll watch it together as a family, and then we watch it from beginning to end. Sometimes we have to go to the restroom, we take a pause real quick. But for this movie, it is really complicated and there's lots of, lots of like information. And so we stopped every so often just to kind of discuss it also helped as well because at the beginning of the movie, things are just like going, like everything is getting set up, everything's going. But once like you get towards the middle of the movie, things kind of, I wouldn't say like slow down, but things get like everyone is talking more, all the characters know each other, we know all the characters. And I kind of get to understand what the story is. Whereas in the beginning, they have to like hook you, but I was just confused since I didn't know what was hooking me. Because they like throw you into it and then when you learn a little bit more. And then us having a discussion. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I know your sister really loved the movie too, so she's going to be happy that you liked it as well. <laughs> she says it's the best movie she's ever seen. That's what Sophia said. Really? Yeah. She, she actually said that? She says it's the best movie she's ever watched in her whole life. Yeah. And I don't Are even, you sure? That's what she told me. Maybe maybe she lied to me. I don't know. Maybe she just wanted to make me happy. But in, in watching it again, not that anyone cares about how I feel about the movie, because you, <laughs> you all know I love it. It's Poppy Approved. It's Poppy Approved. But I, I think it is a masterpiece. This was more of like a season three movie, though, Dad. I think it would have been like better if I was 14 or 15 watching this. Yeah, I, but you, you liked it at 4. You know, I, and I think I agree with you. I think that I got more out of it than I did 12 years ago when I watched it in the movie theater with mom. So, like, I think 
this is one of those kind of movies that I think the more you watch, the more you enjoy, the more you'll get from it. And so. I'll keep giving. It's a keep giving, right? And it's aging perfectly awesomely. And so, I don't know if awesomely is a word, but we'll use it anyhow. That uh, We've made a new word just for this movie. Why don't we get into the recap? So, before I begin the recap, Inception is one of the most complex movies that we will ever review on Poppy Approved Movies. So, please, once again, I'm going to urge you to watch it before you listen to the rest of the show. And I think you'll get a lot more out of it. All right, so let's go ahead and begin. We start with a man waking up in front of a fortress on the seashore. He has a gun and a top in his possession. Some bodyguards take him up to an old man who eventually recognizes the top and is shocked to recognize the man. That, that's the scene that kind of threw you off, huh? Like you didn't know what was going on at all. Yeah, that's what really got me confused. Yeah, me too. And then later on we see the same characters in different settings like five seconds later. So it's kind of yeah. odd, yeah. We learn that the man from the seashore is named Dominic Cobb. He and his associates, Arthur, are extractors. They have the ability to go into people's dreams and steal vital information. They're trying to steal it from a man named Saito. The plan goes sideways when a woman named Mal foils their plan. The dream begins to crumble that they're all of them are in, and they all wake up in a hotel that's being attacked by rioters. Saito realizes that he's still in a dream, and Cobb and Arthur wake up for real and abort their mission. That one was also confusing because I didn't know they were in a second dream. They're in a dream inside a dream. Yeah, nothing was really explained at that point, like about all the dream stuff since the movie was just starting out. And I was like, <laughs> what's going on? And then he's like, the carpet's not real. That's how he actually realized because he felt the carpet and he felt it wasn't the right material. Right, he realized that the carpet was unreal, so that's how Saito knew that he was still in a dream. Yeah. And they were trying to steal, like, secrets from him. So I, at that point, he's like, the rug is fake. I'm like, why is it fake? It's just a rug. <laughs> right, it's not the, yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about, It's a fake sir? rug, yeah. In the next scene, we see Cobb spinning a top. The top is a totem, something that will tell him if he's in the dreaming or if he's in the real world. If it spins forever, he's in a dream. If it stops, he's in the real world. And then the top stops that he was watching. The botched job has ramifications and Cobb's employers, Cobol Engineering, want their pound of flesh. Cobb and Arthur are escaping when Saito catches up with them and offers them a job. You know, the same people he were trying to, he was, they were trying to steal from says, hey, do you, you want, want a job, job, guys? After they fail. Too, right? I, I know this is not very good thought out like you guys did a really bad job last time i can you do a new job for me right it's yeah let's funny. go bro saito wants him to do an inception which is inserting an idea into someone's mind without them knowing it robert fisher is an heir to a major energy company fisher's dad is dying and saito wants the team to plant the idea that robert needs to break up the company Cobb agrees to do the job when Saito says he will take care of Cobb's criminal history so he can go home to see his kids. Cobb and Arthur recruit their team. They get Ariadne, an architect, someone who designs dream worlds. Next, they pick up Eames, who's a forger, someone who can pretend to be someone else inside a dream. Then they pick up Yusuf, who's a chemist. His dream compound is so strong, it can help them get into multiple dream levels. This is just like cough syrup, right? Like... <laughs> Intense, crazy... Cough syrup that makes them sleep for hours upon hours upon hours. Yeah. So much so that they don't wake up. They must be so well rested. Yeah. Because they all sleep so much. Also, throughout the movie, they're always seen, like, once they knock them out, they, like, immediately, like, fall asleep, right? How do the actors keep straight faces? 
you might there might be so many takes of them having to pretend like what professionals they're professionals you mean like an outtake reel of all them like just laughing too hard or them just like falling asleep too dramatically and then they're like no we gotta redo it you guys yeah you know there's uh some of the characters in the movie and their names are really important like yusuf is a i mean a like the English version of Yusuf is Joseph, who's a dream interpreter in the Bible. And then he helps him get into dreams. Uh, Cobb's nickname is Dom. Dom means home in some languages. And Cobb's mission is to get home to his kids. So there's a lot of cool little, those are little Easter eggs that we were talking about before. A lot of little things like that. And then all the characters' names, if you put all their characters' names back to back or right next to each other. The initials, right? The initials spell out the word dreams pay, which is part of the extractor's jobs that they get paid for doing stuff in dreams. So it's kind of cool. Little things like that are all over this movie. So as the team prepares, we learn a lot about dreaming. First, we learn time works differently. Five minutes in the real world is one hour in the dreaming or something like that. And time is longer the deeper they go into dreams. So like a level two dream is even longer than the hour and level three dream even more. That's really like a scary thing about that. Because even if you're gone for a few seconds, you could be gone for so long. And then it's like, almost like if you went into like a dream for a while, you could technically become like somewhat immortal in some way. It's a good point. Good point. We're going to learn a little bit about Limbo, how time was pretty much stopped still in the real world. And then how that can kind of, kind of break your mind a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Every person walking around in the world is part of your, the dreamer's subconscious. We learn that if you die in the dream, you wake up, except when they use Yusuf's compound. It is so strong that if you die in a dream, you go into limbo, where time essentially stands still. We also learn that a kick is the sensation someone feels when they are falling, and in the dream world, that will wake you up. And you feel that somewhat in real life, right? When you dream and then you wake up, you feel kind of like that kick. You always see like, like when someone's like leaning on their desk in school and they're like falling asleep and then they like almost slip and fall. Like their yeah, arm that's the up. movie thing. Yeah, that's the kick right there, yeah. Whenever I wake up from dreams, I just think that I'm falling off my bed. But that's like, I would always fall off my bed when I was even younger. So like, I think, I think it's real. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> the team's plan is to do a three-level dream. That way... It is deep enough in Fisher's subconscious so he doesn't suspect Inception. In real world, Fisher's dad is disappointed in him. The team wants Fisher to believe that his father is not disappointed, but wants Fisher to be his own man by dismantling the business. This is really sad because even though they're like going into his subconscious to do something really terrible, they also somewhat kind of saved him the pain of knowing that his father is disappointed in him for the rest of his life. So we'll get to that, but I think that's a really sticky point with Sophia as well, just kind of like, is not real. Well, we'll get to that when we get to it later, because I think we'll explain it better when we get to that part of the story. Yeah. We find out Mal is Cobb's deceased wife, so that's uh, his wife that's dead. Before the events of the movie, Mal and Cobb lived in the dreaming world for 50 years. Cobb wanted to wake up, but Mal was convinced that Limbo, the dream world, was the real world. Cobb uses Inception to create doubt in her mind that the world they live in is not the real world. Which is Limbo. That's the world that they live in. Yeah, they, live in, they were living in the Limbo world. They died together and returned to the real world. 
Sadly, Mal continues to question reality and traps Cobb so he must commit suicide with her or go to jail for her murder. Mel kills herself and Cobb runs away to avoid being arrested. That guilt is why Mal appears in his dreams as his guilty subconscious. So it doesn't matter which dream he goes into, she always appears because he always has that guilt. I mean, that's pretty deep stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. Now, we don't learn all of this at this point in the movie, so sorry about the recap being a little bit out of order. Um, we just wanted to let you guys have all that information up front. Fisher's dad passes away, and he takes a flight to L.A. on a private plane, which is owned by Saito. Fisher is drugged, and the team consisting of Cobb, Arthur, Eames, Ariadne, Yusuf, and Saito all go into his dream to begin Inception. You know what's really funny is whenever they, like, knock them out with the, like, the drink, they always show them, like, slapping them and then them having no reaction. Then they have to think about the actors again. <laughs> like, they, they just get slapped and they have to, like, they have no reaction at all. They're just like, achoo! And imagine if they had to take that so many times. Like, they would have uh, been slapped so much. Uh, we're going to have to redo that. The film wasn't in the camera. Let's do that again. He's like, he slapped me eight times. <laughs> Although, wouldn't it be awesome? Like, do you just slap someone for free right now? You no, know? No, That's not no. the actor. Like, <laughs> they're like, I really want to slap, uh, was it uh, Cillian or Killian Murphy, the actor who plays uh, Robert Fisher? And someone just keeps slapping him, like, over. And what if they have takes it back? It's ksh, ksh, no. <laughs> no, that wouldn't be fun. Or if you hated the cast member and you're like, yes. <laughs> and they all take turns just slapping him because his eyes are closed. He doesn't even know what's going on, right? Yeah. They don't know who's laughing. <laughs> <laughs> the camera's not even rolling. They have no idea. All right. From this point on, the movie gets really complicated. There's so many level of dreams. So I'm going to recap one at a time. Now, in the uh, movie, they go back and forth. I know. I'm sorry. And it makes for an awesome dramatic ending when one and four and then three and the two and they're jumping back and forth. make things confusing. No, I'm going to make it very simple. It's my goal. So we're going <laughs> to That's start- not the movie, though. Once again, it'll make it easier to recap and then hopefully to understand. Level one. Here you go. Level one. Fight. Okay, Natalie, let me try this. Okay. They're in the first dream. The team kidnaps Fisher and escape attack by Fisher's security detail. Saito is shot and they go to the warehouse. Eames, disguised as Peter Browning, Fisher's godfather, comes in and says that he's been tortured for a few days. Browning tells him that there is a second will which says his father's company should be dismantled, and the kidnappers just want the combination for the safe that it's held in. After Fisher gives Cobb random numbers, they leave the warehouse, and the team goes to sleep in a van, and they enter level two. Yusuf stays back. So they're in a van at the end of level one. Yusuf is still awake, and everybody else is falling asleep, and they go into a second level of the dream, level two. One thing that I never actually got was that they were getting attacked in that van. Was that which, whose subconscious was the attackers coming from? Was it coming from like Cobb and his whole guilty subconscious where everyone like hates him? Or is it from something else? It's Fisher's. So in this time, dream like espionage was real. So people would steal people's dreams and they would steal like, like tactical information about companies and secrets. And so they would go through dream training to have their subconscious create soldiers to come and attack them. So it was Robert Fisher's subconscious who's creating these people to try to stop our Inception crew. His training doesn't work in any of the other dream levels, right? They're there everywhere. They're in every level. 
Oh, are they? Yeah. Well, we'll get to the other levels, but in level two and level three, they are too. The one thing that was Cobb's was the train. Because we'll find out later that he and Mal died by um, by train. They they, uh-huh. they were ran over by a train. And so there's a train that hits them in the middle of the level one dream. But that was Cobb's, not Robert Fisher's. But the, the people are Robert Fisher's subconscious training that helps him try to avoid being, you know, murdered or not murdered, but avoid for like secrets to be taken out. Yeah, because I figured Ariadne wouldn't like set up people to make their job harder because she makes the dreams, right? Um, yeah, no, no, Ariadne would not. Level two. So now we're into level two. Yusuf's left behind driving the van and we're going to find out what Yusuf does to wake everybody up later in a kick. Fisher's at a bar and Cobb comes in and says that they are in a dream. Cobb says that he's part of Fisher's subconscious training. Cobb convinces Fisher that it was Browning who kidnapped him earlier in that first dream and he should enter into Browning's dream to find out the truth. The team goes to sleep and enters level three and Arthur stays back. Now this is where you do see their subconscious. Remember Arthur's falling, I mean, is fighting all these guys. And then we see later on, we don't talk about it much, but Yusuf jumps off a bridge, we'll find out later, and they're in no gravity in level two. And then all those fight scenes with him in no gravity, you know how they're jumping off the walls and they're going around circles. So those are still part of uh, Fisher's subconscious. And those are some of the best fight scenes ever. They are so amazing. And then most of them aren't even special effects. It's like ropes. And then the actor, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, he actually did training to do all those. I think he only did all those special effects except for like one. So no stunt double? No. Like it was him that was doing all the fighting and attacking as that whole world was going around in circles and he was jumping from wall to wall with no gravity. Wow. I can't imagine how it was like like building that set. Yeah. I'd love to see a behind the, behind the scenes kind of thing because yeah. it looks really amazing. And it was really, really cool the way they were fighting. And Arthur seemed to know how to fight in that kind of in that kind of uh, setting, you know. Yeah. Level three, the crew needs to enter a vault inside a snow fort. See all the guards that are that are uh, protecting the snow fort; those are <laughs> still part of uh, Robert's subconscious. Eames, Fisher, and Saito go in. Saito eventually dies from the gunshot wound and ends up in limbo. Fisher is about to get into the vault when Mal comes and kills him, sending him to limbo as well. Here comes Mal out of nowhere. Cobb and Ariadne go into limbo to go get Fisher. All right, so now we're in level four. It wasn't the plan that Mal was going to kill Robert. Yeah. So they go into level four to go get Robert back. Level- My one question. Mm-hmm. Also, Sato at this point is injured. No, he died. So he, he died. died in level three and then he went into limbo. Why? He wasn't killed by Mal, though. So no, why he did got he shot. go? Remember, he got shot. Uh-huh. He got shot in level one, and the wound got to the point where he died. But, oh, okay. But then why is he in the limbo that is created by Mal and No, no. So the Cobb. limbo the limbo wasn't created by Mal and Cobb. The limbo was that fourth level of dreaming world that because they're using Yusuf's compound, if you get shot, you end up in limbo. So mm-hmm. that's how Saito got. He died, or not get shot. If you die, you end up in limbo. Oh. Yeah, so... Uh, Ariane finds Fisher in limbo with Mal's help, and they make a kick to get them both back to level three. So now Ariane and Fisher are back in level three, but Cobb stays to talk to Mal and find Saito. Cobb convinces Mal that he was the reason she believes that their reality is false, and she lets him go. Or really, he lets go of his guilt. Back to level three. Robert gets into the vault and sees his father dying. 
His father tells him that he is not disappointed in him and that he wants Fisher to be his own man. Fisher looks in the safe and finds the will and a pinwheel from his childhood. Fisher now believes his father loved him and wants him to be his own man by dismantling the company. So Inception worked. Yeah, but this is also really sad because he never, he was disappointed. His father in the real world was disappointed in him. Yeah. But they created this false reality in this dream. So that he didn't believe that. He didn't believe that and that his father wasn't disappointed. He was just a disappointment that he never got to be the man that he could be. And that he should dismantle the company. There is no will. There is no pinwheel. And the father never really loved him. Which is so sad. Was, Sophia was devastated because she's like, this man believes now that he his father loved him. When even he though never he, did. When he never did. That's as I was saying before, that the whole planning and idea is not very, like, not a very good human thing to do. But, like, it kind of helped in a way. Because he now knows that his father, in his heart, even though he doesn't actually, that his father loved him and wasn't disappointed. Which is better than thinking that your father was disappointed in you your entire rest of your life. You know, I feel like. That's a tough one because you, it's not the real. It's not real, right? But he thinks it's real, so. But it's not. So I don't know. I guess at the end of the day. The perception is more important than the reality, especially now that the father's gone. Yeah. And if we look at the story in general, none of these guys are good guys. Yeah. And first off, they're thieves, right? And then now they're doing something called Inception to have this guy break his company up. But that's only so that way Saito, they were trying to stop this monopoly of the of the fishers. But really, I think he was just doing it for himself, right? Yeah. So I don't think any of the people were good, although we, we like them as our heroes. We know that they weren't necessarily good people. They were criminals. Then we see all the kicks triggered. So this is a really cool part. Level three, Eames blows up the fort. Level two, Arthur makes the elevator a rocket. And level one, Yusuf jumps off a bridge and lands in the water. Now in the movie, all of these are happening at the same time, back and forth. And Yusuf falling off the bridge before hitting the water is like in slow, slow, slow motion while everything else is happening. So it's really cool. Cobb is in limbo still with Saito as an old man. The first scene of the movie, we realize that the first scene of the movie is kind of the last scene of the of the dream, right? Now we know where the scene came from. Yeah. Saito remembers who he was, and then they both wake up on the plane. They land in L.A., and Cobb fears that he'll be arrested at the airport. When he isn't, he goes and sees his family. He spins the top, and we see it wobble, but we do not see it fall down. Then it goes to credits. The end. Natalie, before you tell me if this movie could be made today, before you tell me more about the Bechdel test, I need to know, Natalie, does the top stop? Is he in the real world or is he still in the dreaming? What do you think, Natalie? He's in the real world. You think so? Well, because the whole point of the top is that it spins and spins and spins and it does not falter in any way. It stays the exact same. And so if it wobbles, that means he's in reality. But then it continued to spin still. It never stopped spinning. But it was like going down. But we don't know. You don't know. It doesn't go... It doesn't go all the way around This is a a listening podcast. You can't be using your fingers to explain what you're doing. Sorry. (laughs) 
imagine a top going around and around and around without any movement whatsoever. You think that's what it's supposed to look like? Yes. Okay. But it didn't. It, it started to wobble. It was going like that, but then it starts wobbling, and then the top starts going down. Gravity, if something starts going down, it's not like it can just go back up again. Unless it's a dreaming world, and then it can do whatever it's supposed to. And the top is supposed to stop spinning eventually. You know, I like to think the same thing. I like to think that the top falls down, and we realize that Cobb is in the real world, and that he's hugging his children, and everything ends okay. But he never even cares about whether it stops or not. Kind of like the whole point is it doesn't matter anymore. Yeah. And he just wants to be with his children. So at the end of the day, I'll, you know, and it's funny because you, you read you read online, you're going to hear a bunch of different like theories. Uh, you're going to hear that the top or the totem isn't his. It uh, isn't. It isn't his t- totem. It's Mal's totem. And that his totem is a wedding ring that he has on during the dreaming, but he doesn't have on in the real world. So little things like that. And then there's an interview with uh, Christopher Nolan, the writer, producer, director. But he says something like, I like to believe that he's in the real world. But like, believe? What do you mean by belief? So even even his answer was kind of like vague and we don't know. I don't know. I love it. I, like I was saying earlier, I think this movie is a masterpiece. It's one of the best movies I think I've ever seen. I think I forgot how great it was and watching it again, analyzing it, coming up with a recap and reading all the Easter eggs and watching videos on it. I think just made it even, made me love it even more. So. I have a question for you. I, oh, you have a question. Before I ask your questions, you're going to ask me a question? Yes. Go ahead. You were in this magical dream world. Mm-hmm. What would you make your totem? What would I make my totem? Wow, that's a great question. And with zero head time for me to think. <laughs> so that way I have a stuttering and a procrastination on the podcast. Don't go anywhere. Poppy Approved Movies will be back after this quick message. Hello, everyone. Don't worry. This isn't a commercial or an ad. At least not yet. We would love to celebrate our 10th episode with a hidden contest. If you email us at poppyapprovedmovies at gmail.com with the following code, not very good human skills. Not very good human skills is a reference to my reaction about Tess in our Ocean's Eleven episode. Poppy Approved Movies will send the first 10 listeners who respond a free t-shirt. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving! Please place seat backs and tray tables in their full upright position. Poppy Approved Movies is back. Two hours later. Or something like, or I think like maybe like a rosary. Mm-hmm. And then knowing exactly how many beads are supposed to be. And then maybe in the dreaming world, there are one less bead or something like that. That only maybe ah. maybe a Catholic would know. But of and 50- people aren't going to count the beads every time you look at a rosary. Exactly right. So that's it. That's my totem. I, I thought it through. You It took me like four minutes. Sorry, guys, on the podcast. For, <laughs> it took for a little listening while. Listening to my brain work. You, you heard the, the hamster rolling up there. but <laughs> um, So, yeah, that, that would be mine. Okay, Miss Thang, what would be your totem? Uh, uh, well... I don't. So you thought about asking me a question far. that you didn't even have an answer to your own? Oh, maybe like a lighter. It doesn't light up immediately. Okay. But like in Dream World, it lights up. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Or like a match. Like one is like you strike it and the first time it lights up. And then if it's a dream, it doesn't light up. Okay. I like that. That's a good idea. All right. So let's go ahead and go to our final question. Could this movie still be made today? Uh, I think it could be made today. I think 
the whole movie could be made today. I didn't see any any anything that wouldn't be in there today. Your dad finally found a movie that you. Good job, Daddy. Thank you. Are you proud of me? I'm you... so proud of you. You're you're meeting natural standards. <laughs> oh, I just a common human now, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Good job, Dad. Thanks. I've been working on that I'm for so my proud whole of life. You. Thank you so much. All right. Does it pass the Bechdel test? Oh, this is going to be controversial. Technically, it passes. Because well, let's go ahead and talk about the Bechdel test. Bechdel test is uh, talk about female or women representation in movies. Um, it has three criteria. The first one: Are there two uh, characters that are named in the movie that are female? Yep, we got Mal and we got Ariadne. Yeah. Okay. Good. But only two. <laughs> but only two. Uh, the second question is: Do they talk to each other? Yep. Mal talks to Ariadne about love on this, like, level six in Cobb's dream world. Mm -hmm. And she's like, you don't know what it's like to be loved. And even though she's talking about love, she never talks about a man. She's just talking about love in general, which is another criteria that when they are talking, they can't be talking about a man. So that passes that criteria. So that was my third criteria. So they talk to each other about... Uh, something other than a man. All right. But so, there is a problem here. There's one tiny little problem. Is that Mal is dead. And Mal is only a figure of a man's subconscious. So technically, she is from the mind of a man. She's not technically her own woman. She's just thought up by Cobb. So there you go. So Mal isn't a female character, although he's she is a figment of Cobb's subconscious. Yeah. So in all reality, it's Cobb. That's Mal, right? Yeah, so it doesn't really pass the Bechdel test if you're going to get into it. Okay, so it did pass it, but still kind of uh, dubiously. Is there anything else? Uh, No. Okay.